Welcome to another vital message from Pastor Ron Hammonds, Senior Pastor of Golden Triangle Church on the Rock in Southeast Texas. We're so glad you're joining us. For more information about Golden Triangle Church on the Rock Ministries, visit our website, cotr.com. Enjoy the word. You know, we should, it's Father's Day, we should be singing praises to our Father God every day, worshiping Him. There is no better Father anywhere in all the universe than God our Father. Amen. You know, I'm going to prophesy to you that we are going to see, listen, listen to what the Lord has just dropped into my heart and my spirit. And those of you that know me and have known me for so many years, you know I don't treat these things very lightly. But let me prophesy to you that God is going to raise up a nation of fathers. God is going to raise up a nation of fathers with a father's heart over their families, over children who have no father in their homes, over our churches, and over our nation. God is going to raise up a nation of fathers. There has come such a dearth in the land for strong, vocal leadership. But God shall raise up some selfless fathers with the heart of God and with the passion to see our churches, our nation, our families, and those who have no one to stand for them, to see those fathered. Watch and see what the Lord will do. And you remember, and you point back to this day, whenever you see a new, strong generation, when you hear a strong voice, remember that it's the Lord's doing, that people are going to rise with a care in their hearts and with a conviction in their spirit, and they are going to say, this is the way, walk in it. And you know, some of you are going to be in that group God's raising a nation of fathers. Watch and see what he will do. Well, we're going to be going in a moment to the 11th chapter of the book of Luke. Okay? And today, the message is entitled, Choose Me. Choose Me. Wow. We're going to find out uh, you know, who's asking that question, who is you know, making that statement here in just a moment. Uh, but suffice it to say that... Jesus, in talking with his disciples one day, in John chapter 14, I know I told you to go to Luke 11 and we're going there in a moment, but let me give you this scripture first. In John chapter 14, Jesus was talking to his disciples and he was encouraging them. Uh, do you know that, that the word Father is mentioned and referred to by the apostle John 111 times in the Gospel of John. Isn't that amazing, Pastor Ken? 111 times in just the Gospel of John. The Apostle John, in his older age, you know, perhaps in his 90s when he's writing this, he understands God from a different perspective than, than perhaps anyone else. He is called the disciple whom 
God, you know, Jesus loved. And so as he is recording all of these instances, he refers to a father. And he, as he's recording uh, Jesus speaking with his disciples here and speaking in, in, in the temple, uh, 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 the Bible says in verse 8, Philip said, Lord, show us the Father and we will be satisfied. Man, I pondered on that so long this past week. Show us the Father and we will be satisfied. And of course, you know, he says back to them, and you can read that account, you know, I, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. I mean, you're, you're looking at an image of the Father. I am like the Father, and the Father is like, I mean, if, if you have seen what I'm doing, I mean, I came to show you the Father. And if you have seen what I am doing, you've seen how God is. Nowhere in the Word of God did we ever see Jesus going around giving people cancer or breaking legs or uh, you know uh, you know uh, cursing people you know to hell nowhere did we ever see jesus engaged in any activity that he was not trying to bring someone to a place of encouragement or repentance or letting them you know see the light shining in their darkness so that they hopefully would choose him nowhere was his message less than redemptive in intent show us the father and we'll be satisfied you know most of us would be completely satisfied if we could see the father in those who are supposed to be fathering us when you really see the father father God or when you really see the father that is potentially resident in each one of the men we know it would make you happy it would put a smile on your face it would satisfy something deep within you that longing that you have for wrong things to be made right for you to feel safe and secure for you to feel warm and welcomed for you to feel encouraged if you could just see the father Well, today, as I said earlier, is Father's Day, and it's the day that we set aside each year in America to honor the fathers in our lives, and, and there are, you know, adoptive fathers, and biological fathers, and stepfathers, and foster fathers, and spiritual fathers, and there are fathers of our nation, and fathers of our faith, uh, there are fathers of higher education, and there are men in every area of profession known as a father of something. You know, there's even a father of clowns. I'm not talking about real clowns. I'm talking about those people that dress up to look like a clown. <laughs> fathers come in many sizes and shapes and kinds. There are well-known fathers and there are unknown fathers. And there are good fathers and bad fathers, indifferent fathers, absentee fathers, fathers who teach us what we should do and fathers who teach us what we should not do. Being a father, by the way, is not always easy, but I believe in some instances being a father is as close to being like God as a person on this earth could ever achieve. Of course, the moment that a man decides that he's going to be a father, and it's a decision, 
Being a father is a choice. It's a decision. And the moment that a man decides that he's going to be a father is only half the equation. As we heard, those of you on campus heard just a few moments ago from Elohor, who gave us her testimony, how that there came a point in her life, even though she knew God and even though she knew about God, there came a point in her life when she had to choose him for herself. The moment that God decided to be a father and the moment that any man decides to be a father, again, is only half the equation. The other half is when someone to whom you have decided to be a father chooses you to father them. You see, not only is being a father a choice, but it's a choice whether or not you're going to be fathered. You don't just decide to have kids. Your name is just not on a birth certificate, and all of a sudden you are a father. What a joyful day it is when someone chooses God to be their heavenly father. Do you know all of heaven rejoices, the Bible says, whenever one chooses to turn and say, okay, you know, I'm going to, you know, embrace you as my father, as my protector, as my guide, as my benefactor, as, you know, as my father. What a joyful day it is in heaven when that happens. And and what a joyful day it is in every family, in the life of every person, every man who has decided that they want to be a father. What a joyful day it is whenever we turn and look And those that we would love to father say, I choose you. What a great day. You might say today, Pastor, you know, I'm I'm a woman. I'm I'm not a father, not going to be a father. How are you going to speak to me today? Well, you just keep listening because I promise you there's enough in God's word that every facet of truth has, has a reflection upon the hearts of men and women, boys and girls, no matter where you are, what age and stage in life you are, or where you may be in this moment. The Word of God is going to penetrate your heart today, and it's your job. You see, God's Word, my job, God's Word is only half of the equation. Unless you choose to accept that Word, open up your heart, and receive that Word, then the Word of God will just fall rootless and fruitless around you. The Bible says that the word was preached unto them as well as unto us, but it did not profit them because it was not mixed with faith in those that heard it. Do you know unless you mix the word of God with faith, unless you reach out and and, and grab the word of God and say yes, unless you open up your hearts and say yes to God, he can be talking all day long to you, around you, about you, over you, and not affect you at all. In fact, the Bible says that Jesus could do their no mighty works because of their unbelief. And it's the same thing that happens in our life today. Today, the Word of God is going out to you. It's going out all around the world. Our whisper can be heard around the world. But do you hear it? Do you embrace it? Are you saying yes to him? What a joyful day it is whenever someone says yes, whenever someone chooses the word of God and does not hide behind some other element in life, some hurt, some fear, some worry, uh, some aggravation, some irritation, some offense, and, and they're hiding behind it so that the word cannot penetrate because God is doing his best to penetrate that hurting place in your life with a healing word. God has hope for you. God has hope. And He has done everything that needs to be done. The rest of this is up to you. 
Your joy is up to you. Your peace is up to you. How much you get out of this service is completely up to you. Because I can, I can guarantee you by the word of God that God is here. Where two or three are gathered together in his name, there he is in the midst. And he, and he inhabits the praises of his people. So what you get from God when you encounter God, whether it's by word or by song or by teaching, in any place, in any time, in any setting, is up to you. It's not up to the preacher. It's up to you. Open up your hearts today. Hear the word of the Lord. Because it is a joyful thing whenever someone says yes father you can be my father i choose you wow even though god is perfect yet sometimes it takes time for others to realize just how much he cares <laughs> but he is perfect he's a perfect father he is a perfect father this morning we're going to use a passage from the scripture of the gospel of luke as i said in luke chapter 11 uh and uh we're, actually, it's Luke chapter 15, I do believe. Uh, and we're going to start in verse 11. In Luke chapter 15, and uh, we're going to rehearse what a godly man can do. So hopefully, his children, the ones that God has intended him to father, what can a man do? so that those whom God has intended him to father will choose him and say yes. Will open up their hearts and their lives to him. Not just coexist, not just peacefully coexist, not just walk along in life together, but choose you to allow you into their heart, into their mind, into their situation of life. What can a man do in that time between wanting to be a father, deciding to be a father, and being chosen to be a father whether again it's a stepfather adoptive father a spiritual father or a biological father we all walk the same path in other words what can i do what should i do until my children choose me oh i want my kids to choose me you know, don't you want your children to choose you? To choose you as a mother? To choose you as a friend? To choose you as a counselor? To choose you? you know, I want my children to choose me as a father and not just put up with me as a father. Oh, it got quiet in here. This is one of the most godly desires that a man can have is the desire to be chosen as a father. We will build today's lesson from Luke chapter 15 on the fact that God wants to be a father. <laughs> Isn't that interesting? So, Wanting to be a father is a good and a godly desire. Wanting to be a father. You know, men, we should want to be a father. 
You know, women, you should want to be a mother. You should desire to be a mother. It's the gift of God. It's an innate desire on the inside of us, whether it's biological or adoptive or spiritual or, or you know, or a, or, or a step parent. You know, we should want this. This is a desire. It was one of God's first and original five commandments that he gave Adam and Eve. Be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth, you know, uh, subdue and have dominion. Those five commandments included being fruitful and multiplying. We should want to. It's a godly desire. When God could have been anything at all. You know, I've said this so many times through the years. When he could have been wind or fire or lightning or, you know, he could have been anything. It would not have been wrong for God to have caged himself in any image whatsoever. He is God. He can do anything he wants to. He could have been a bull if he wanted to be. You know, he could have been the sun or the moon if he'd have wanted to be. But he chose the image of a father. Because that's what he wants to be to us. And then he made us like him. What a good and godly desire. He chose the image of a father. And the apostle John, as I said, refers to a father 111 times in his gospel alone. So as we look into the 15th chapter of Luke right now, we're going to begin reading in verse 11. And uh, it's, it's a familiar story to some of you. Uh, listen closely. We'll read through the, the, uh, the initial portion here of this together. Verse 11 from the New King James Version. Then Jesus said, A certain man had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, Give me the portion of goods that falls to me. So the father divided to them his livelihood. Both sons, by the way, to the older and to the younger son. He divided, this, he divided what he had to them, their inheritance. He gave them their inheritance. And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together, journeyed to a far country, and there wasted his possessions with prodigal, which is riotous living. Verse 14. But when that younger son had spent all, there arose a severe famine in that land, and he began to be in want. This word want means need. He began to be in great need. He, he had a lack of the things he needed. Verse 15, then he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country and his new employer, as it were, sent him into his fields to feed swine. And he would gladly, verse 16, have filled his stomach with the pods or the husk that the swine ate and no one gave him anything. Verse 17, but when he came to himself, oh my goodness, this is the hope of every godly parent that our children would come to themselves before it is too late. Just wake up and realize. And when he came to himself, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have bread enough to spare and I perish with hunger. 
Verse 18, I will arise and go to my father and will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you, and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. Verse 20, and he arose and came to his father. But when he was still a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. <laughs> wow. Wow, what a good daddy. What a good daddy. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight, and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Bring out the best robe and put it on him. And put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet. And bring the fatted calf here and kill it. And let us eat and be merry. For this my son was dead and is alive. He was lost and is found. And they began to be merry. Wow. What a great story. But you know this father had to get ahead of things. He knew that no doubt his sons were growing up and growing in age and, and he knew no doubt that one day they would want to be on their own. It's intrinsic in a man. Something is a little bit different with, with, with God's gift to men, the inherent gift, than it is with God's gift to women. You might say, preacher, do you believe in a difference between men and women? Absolutely, positively, without a doubt, yes. And if I'm not plain enough, I can go on and on. <laughs> Definitely, yes. This father was not unwise but his son, one of his sons, was. But the father, no doubt, knowing that a day was coming whenever his sons would want their own. I have worked a lot of people as both a businessman and also in the church world. You know, we have quite a number of employees here in our church uh, just the full, I mean, it takes a lot just to keep our building going and our children in the nursery and, our, and this cleaned up and all the other things that are going on all throughout the week. It takes quite a, a, you know, a number of people. As well as in business, all through the years I have owned businesses. And, and uh, you know, uh, except for the school system, I suppose... Uh, uh, I was the largest employer in my hometown for maybe 18 or 20 years, you know, up until just about, you know, three years ago, perhaps. Uh, you know, I've, and I've, I've owned a number of businesses, and I've found that there's a difference in working men and women. You all realize that? Okay, let me give you a thought here, just to put in your, and these are general terms, but I have found them to really, you know, apply. A man will work for your dream 
only so long. And then he has to start working for his dream. Where a woman will work for your dream and supporting your dream is something that is innate in her. She is happy to support something she believes in and something she wants to do. But at at some point in life, a man is going to want his own. He's going to have to work for his own dream. Whether he's an employee uh, somewhere else or has his own, he's he's going to have to feel like he's working for his dream. I don't know if y'all have noticed that or not, but that's about as simple as I can put it. I've never heard it put that way by anyone else, but that's how I've understood it. And so the men that around me that are going to work for me long periods of time, I have to be wise enough to create their dream and to give them room to have their dream. If they can't have their dream, if they can't work for their dream, for their call, for their work, then, then you know, if, if they're just you know, you know, uh, working for my dream, and that's all they ever get, they won't last that long and they won't be satisfied. They have to be able to build their, their kingdom, as it were, their dream. Not in a bad way, in a good way. Whereas, you know, uh, the Bible even talks about the women who followed Jesus around and ministered to him of their substance. They were, you know, all about supporting him. You know, uh, uh, Peter, James, and John went out on their own. You know, that makes sense. And even Timothy after Paul, you know, uh, there, there needs to be some, some connection of I'm working for my dream. Well, that's what this young son was feeling as he was growing up. He was not content to work for his daddy's dream any longer. You know, sometimes people feel that way. I don't want to just be told what to do all the time. I want my own, I want my own, I want my own. That, that's not a bad thing, by the way. It's not a bad thing. Okay? It's a good thing, not a bad thing. But many times we don't you know, prepare to manage that. You notice the father gave both of them their inheritance. You know? And it looks like later on, if you continue reading the story, that the older son kind of managed, you know, managed the farm and managed the home after, after that happened. There comes a time when that happens. Well, let me share with you from this passage what I have seen as five attributes of a godly father based upon watching and seeing what this father did. Five attributes of a godly father. One of the first attributes that I see in, in this father of this prodigal son, and, and, uh, and this man had two sons, one that was not you know, you know, going to go off and spend everything, and one of them that was. But what I see, one of the first things I see in this godly father is that uh, he had a respect for the evolving family relationships. He understood that relationships were going to be evolving, changing. They do evolve. They do grow. It's important to realize that as our children, as our family grow, we as fathers must adjust ourselves to meet the evolving criteria of a growing relationship. I have a son who has probably got about another five hours, six hours left in a 36-hour tour at work today. Okay? I think he's in Temple, Texas, working at, a, at, a, at, a, um, working at an emergency room. I think so. He texted me this morning, you know, happy Father's Day. Uh, I'm on a 36-hour shift. I have 10 hours to go. <laughs> I said, God bless you. <laughs> you know? 
And uh, the reason I think he's in Temple, because one of the doctors he works with is a pilot and has some stuff, and the, the doctor texted me, and we're connecting. And, uh, but at any rate, so I think he's in Temple. But I don't know. Uh, let's see. Let me think how old he is. Uh, how? Uh, 79. That makes him, uh, he's 42, I guess. Okay. 42 years old. How did I get a kid 42 years old? And he's not the oldest one. I'm not 42 yet. <laughs> you know, this growing, evolving life that we all are engaged in demands that at some point I expected my son to respect me, to honor me. But I had to realize he was growing into a man. I, I wasn't raising children. I was raising adults. And at some point, he had to understand that I respected him. And I gave honor to him. Not only did I want him to be proud of me, but I wanted him to know that I was proud of him. And, and this relationship, this growing relationship, different seasons demand different perspectives. Because those that we father should come to the place to where we are peers. You know, your sons and daughters should end up, you know, uh, being, being your peers at some point. A servant will never be your equal, but sons and daughters should exceed us. And we have to prepare for that. We have to prepare in our own lives for our children to grow up and become wiser than we are. Become smarter than we are. To become more capable than we are. And if we always treat them like they're little kids and don't allow for that, for that evolving of relationship, that growing of relationship, then we're going to end up, if we're not watchful, uh, presenting an image to them that they won't trust in the future. Galatians says that, you know, that the heir, as long as he is a child, differs nothing from a servant. But he's placed under tutors and governors until the time appointed of the father. The father should be able to decide that. But children are not meant to remain children forever. You know, and while we're waiting on our children to recognize and respect our contributions to their life, we should recognize and respect what God is doing in theirs. We should be able as fathers. And one of the attributes of a godly father is to recognize our children are growing, just like Galatians says, and they deserve more and more attention and more and more respect. Uh, you know, family relationships grow. Children become responsible for their own lives. And if we want them to continue to respect us, we at some point must start respecting them. This happens very naturally, but it happens. It happens, you know, in other situations of life as well. Well, let me encourage you fathers, you know, have a healthy respect for your growing family. Such a healthy respect that you begin in, in the time that is reasonable to treat them with the respect that they deserve at that age and that stage of life. That's what I saw this father of a prodigal son doing. A second attribute of a godly father this father in Luke 15 he had a reputation for being kind and generous to others now listen ladies you can take this as well in your life because it's the same things that that a person needs in someone who's going to mother them this healthy respect 
for one another and this reputation for being kind and generous to others. You know, not only was this father kind and generous to his children, he was kind and generous to his servants. The son knew this because when the son came to himself, he said this, my father, you know, treats his servants better than this guy treats his servants. My father is kind and generous. My father is the kind of man I want to work for. If I'm going to work for somebody, I want to work for somebody like my dad. I don't want to work for somebody like this guy that I'm working for that sent me out and gave me no food and is not helping me at all and I'm starving and he's just putting me out here in nowhere feeding his pigs and doesn't care about me. The people in my father's house are cared for. They're, 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 they're taken care of. It's much better in my daddy's house as a servant than it is outside of his house as a son. Wow. Wouldn't that be something great if your children realized that they were better off as your child than they were out on their own? A third thing. Approachable. This son knew that his father was approachable. He knew what was going to happen whenever he got to his father. He already knew. He knew that he needed to repent. He knew that he needed to say he was sorry because he was wrong. But he also knew that his father was going to take him in. He was not afraid of his father. He wasn't afraid of being condemned and criticized and rejected. That wasn't going to happen at home. It just was not going to happen. He knew when he got to his father that his father was approachable. He knew that he could come to his dad with anything, even that I have spent all of your money, dad, and you, know, and you were right. He knew his daddy wasn't going to say, I told you so. <laughs> well, I'm just going to let you suffer a little bit more. Teach you a lesson. Oh, come on now. Let the world you know, teach your children a lesson. You be a parent. Don't, don't imagine that you're the one that God is called to condemn, criticize, and reject to be the I told you so kind of parent. You know, be approachable. I can remember uh, my son took, <laughs> I can remember he took a lot of things. <laughs> he took his sister's new car. And probably my son and, and, and my daughter are both listening this morning. God bless you guys. I love y'all. And I use you. You make such good sermon material. But I can remember, I bought, a, I bought his, his sister a new Camaro. Okay, for graduation. You know, oh, it was, it was sweet. Right off the lot, oh, and she was worth it. She still is. I love you, sweetheart. My son, I think it was without permission. Tom, you know Ashley. <laughs> I think he took his sister's car, took a couple other people with him, you know, went riding around, went over to Taco Bell, Stopped and got him some tacos and, you know, that new car. And whenever he went to back out, boom, he backed right into a young girl's car. <laughs> you can imagine. So what does he do? He pulls back up and he finds a phone. This was the day before cell phones, by the way. <laughs> finds a phone and he says, hey, Dad. I said, yeah. He said, I just wrecked April's car. 
I just backed into a girl and, uh, you know, her daddy's on the way up here. I just thought I better let you know. I said, okay, son, where are you? He said, Taco Bell. I said, I'll be right there. So I went up there and I talked to the dad and, and you know, uh, got the situation fixed and, uh, you know, uh, uh, and, and I said, okay, son, uh, you okay? Yeah, okay. Uh, all, you, all, all the rest of you okay in the car? Okay. All right, great. See you at home later, bud. And, uh, you know, I, and, and I, I went home. Ashley said the toughest thing was trying to explain to those other people in his car why he didn't get a tongue lashing, a cussing out, and drugged by the ear home. Why? Whew, you know what? That was a little bitty thing. If he ever had a big thing, I wanted him to know I was just as approachable. I wouldn't let him know that, you know, this is, this, you know. And then he took my new pickup. I ain't forgotten that, son. I love you, but I ain't forgotten. <laughs> I think I, I got a new pickup for like, I don't know, I turned, turned 40, I think. I, I think Brenda took me over to Winnie, and I got this new dually. Oh, it was nice. Tom, you wrecked that dually too, I think, didn't you? Hit the gas pump with it, didn't you? <laughs> Remember the side panel? <laughs> I keep picking on Tom. Tom, just, uh, he, he's just such a prolific figure here in our congregation. So I just got it, and I think I had to go to Kenya. So I'm off to Kenya, and I, one of the last things I said is, leave my truck right there. Well, I don't know how it got over to Pleasure Island. I don't know how it hit that stop sign over there and put a big old dent right in the front of it. But, you know, hey, Dad. I took your pickup. Uh, I hit a stop sign, Dad. <laughs> yeah, I'm okay. All right. Well, good, son. All right. Hey, listen, could you leave it sitting there till I get back, you know? <laughs> sure. And, you know, uh, my son never was rebellious. He just had a different idea as to why it would be okay. And <laughs> approachable. It's one of the things that I wanted to be because that's how my dad was. I remember the night. We only had one car in our family. And I remember the night that I took that car. The reason we only had one car is because I wrecked the other one. <laughs> my mom was in the hospital and my dad was at home. And uh, he was... Uh, he was on the couch. And I took that car and I went and picked up that girl. And we went out to New Boston to the Dairy Queen. And we circled Dairy Queen so many times it got late. And I'm on my way home. I decided I'd take a shortcut through what we call the bottoms. I'm on that dirt road and, it's, and also she's supposed to be home at midnight. And it was just getting close to midnight. When I was doing about 60 miles an hour around a curve that was about a 15-mile-an-hour curve, we flipped five times, hit a tree, skint a tree 12 foot tall, and ended up in the ditch backwards two and a half miles from the nearest house. Took me forever to get her to cross those bridges, those old wooden bridges. She was scared there were goblins underneath those things. And at 2 o'clock in the morning, we finally got to somebody's house, and I woke them up, and they gave her a ride home and gave me a ride home. I went into my house, and 
There my dad was sleeping on the couch. He'd been drinking a little bit. I went over and he'd been drinking a lot. I went over and woke him up. And I said, hey, Dad. He said, yeah. I said, I wrecked the car. He said, you okay? I said, yeah. He said, anybody else in the car? I said, yeah. He said, they okay? I said, yeah. He said, okay, where is it? I said, well, it's sitting in the middle of the road, half of it in the ditch. I told him where. I said, I left the lights on so nobody hit it. He said, well, hoof it down to your uncle's. It was a long way down that dirt road, too. My uncle lived, you know, a couple of miles away. Hoof it down to your uncle's, wake him up, get him to come up here and pick me up, and let's go over there and get the car out of the road. I did that. You know, my daddy never said another word about that, even though I know he had to make a monthly payment. We didn't have any insurance. He had to make a monthly payment, continuing to pay that car off. Never said another word about it. Do you know what that taught me? It taught me that that's the kind of father I wanted to be. There was nothing I could do about it. He could have beat me all he wanted to, but nothing would have went into me. You know, the Bible says that, you know, God is understanding and kind. My dad also taught me that I never have to be afraid to go to him with anything. Not afraid of him. And I've never had to be afraid of God to go to God with anything. Approachable. I didn't find any judgment, any criticism, any condemnation, any rejection. He didn't make me feel like the idiot I was. I did that myself. You know. Last week, my son sent me a video of him buying his son his first pickup. Oh. And he said, thanks, Dad. I had a really good example. Oh, that's what we want to be, isn't it? But you got to work on it before the problem. You got to work on it. Approachable. Number four, the fourth attribute is unashamedly compassionate. Fathers, you have to love and you have to show your love. You know, you have to show your love. You have to make, make your children feel like they're the most important thing in your life. Like you care about them. Like you love them. You have time for them. And number five is forgiving. I can full well imagine that this prodigal son's father had forgiven him a long time before he ever got up and started home. I bet this prodigal son's father had not only forgiven his son before he saw him, but he had prayed and prayed for his protection. He had prayed for him to wake up and to come home. He had prayed for him, no doubt, hoping that one day he would see him. It's evident from all that God has done that God forgives us. You see, forgiveness and restoration are two different things. 
Forgiveness is by grace, but restoration takes a little work. I imagine when that son got back home, if we were to read the rest of that story, I bet that son treated that father a lot different than he did before. Being a good father, as I said, deciding to be a father is half the equation. When a child chooses to come back home and chooses you, that's a great day. Whatever, whatever they bring home with them. Whatever the news is that a child brings home, be grateful they brought it home. Be grateful they came home because they felt like it was a place of safety and security. Because it was a place of love and understanding. And when necessary, a place of forgiveness and restoration. I applaud so many of you men. I know you. Those of you who have decided to be a father and you're working hard at it and doing a great job. I applaud you. I pray for those among us who are following God's example, doing our best, trying hard, so that in days to come our children would choose us in their moments of need, in their moments of joy, to share life with us, because one day it will certainly be their choice. And for you men who have children who are desperately waiting, listen to me, men. Some of you have children, whether it's spiritual children, foster children, stepchildren, biological children, foster, whatever it may be, adoptive children. Some of you have children that are desperately waiting for you to decide to be a father to them. Being a father is more than just a name on a birth certificate. Some are waiting, waiting to see your kindness, waiting to feel that you respect them, waiting, hoping that at some point they could approach you with something difficult and you wouldn't bite their head off, criticize them, condemn them, shame them, make them feel guilty, make them feel low, no good. They're waiting on a time because they want to come. They have a need. They're being driven by the Holy Spirit to come and open up their hearts and lives to you. But they can't until you decide that you're going to be the Father that God intended. Show your love to them. Forgive the past. Be restored. Don't make them pay. I beg you in the name of Jesus, choose and decide to be a father today. Well, just because, listen to me, men, women, listen. Just because you did not have a good and godly father does not mean that your children should experience the same thing that you did. You cannot blame anyone else for your failures. Repent and decide to be a father today and work on it, work on it. Thanks again for joining us for another relevant word from Pastor Ron Hammonds. Visit cotr.com and subscribe to our social media platforms to stay up to date. As well, receive more encouraging messages from our pastor and details of the work we're doing both in our community and communities like ours around the world. 
today and every day. God bless.